Hey everybody and welcome to the Darkcast. This is DCI number 51 and I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, Brian and I got to talk to Kyle Holmquist, who is the narrative designer at Nightlight Interactive, uh, the makers of a game called Whispering Willow, which just recently launched on the Ouya and is soon coming to Steam. Uh, it's a 2D horror-ish adventure game that's really, uh, not really so much horror, but more based on tension and atmosphere rather than jump scares and things like that. Uh, sounds really interesting. We had a great time talking with him. You can find more information about Whispering Willows in the show notes to this episode on darkstation.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at darkstation underscore com. And if you want to subscribe to us, we're on iTunes, we're the Darkcast. While you're there, give us a review and let us know what you think of the show. And uh, finally, if you want to send us an email, you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com. And if you've been listening to the Darkcast, you know that we have some free Marvel Heroes 2015 characters to give away. So send us an email and tell us who your favorite Marvel character is and we will send you a free random character. Thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. It's a, it's a beautiful day here in California. I'm enjoying it. Very nice. What's uh, what's the weather like there right now? It's actually pretty hot. It's like a 95 degrees today. Oh, kind of... <laughs> that I get plenty of that in Florida. That's hot. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't it, it's not a it's not a like a, a humid heat. Luckily, it's a very dry heat, so that's that's nice at least. Yeah, li- living on the East Coast, I really have no idea what that means. I hear people say it all the time. It's like, but it's a dry heat. It's like, what in the world is dry heat? I've only experienced humidity. Well, you have you have a drier heat than, like, I used to live in Miami, and that was like walking outside sure. into a pool. That is true. That was so warm that you didn't want to be in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've heard that uh, that you like get out of the shower and you dry off and you're still wet. You were still wet, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, the, the girls with long hair or boys with long hair, uh, it, it will not dry for hours. That's it's sucks. crazy. Yay for humidity! <laughs> <laughs> that is not what we're here to talk about, though. Today, today we are here to talk about. Uh, Whispering Willows, which is a game that just launched a few days ago on uh, on Ouya and is coming soon to Steam. Uh, but before we get into the game itself, Kyle, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do at Nightlight Interactive. Well, I'm our uh, I'm our writer and narrative designer. Uh, basically, I any little bit of text in the game that's that's me. I, I inspired the entire background of the story and and the context of the game and and all that stuff. Um, but I work a lot with everyone to to make a very cohesive um, story. Okay, very cool. So, um, if this game was being released physically, would you be the guy that writes the game manual? Probably, because uh, indie studios, you have to uh, wear a lot of hats, and since I'm 
the only writer we have, I'm sure I would do the technical documentation as well. And I, I have a little background in programming, so I could uh, do that pretty well. Sure. Um, I, you guys did a Kickstarter uh, about a year ago now, and uh, did did you do any sort of physical releases uh, as far as reward tiers for people? Um, yeah, we had. I mean, we had a few little physical items. We had like a plushy um, of of like our main character, and we had a plushy of one of our ghost characters. Um, we had a, a necklace that that was like a copy of the the amulet that we use in the game. Um, shirts. We had a, a people could choose from various shirts as physical rewards, but no physical copies of the game. Okay. Just wondering. Anyway, yeah. um, so what is kind of a, a day like for a writer slash narrative designer? Well, um, a lot of it is working with the game designer and the programmer and the producer. Um, you know, the producer, David Logan, our, our creator, he did he helped me a lot with making sure that the story was good and cohesive. And he's worked with a lot of animation studio stuff and uh, was really knowledgeable with that. And also working with the video game designer to make sure that his stories fit into the context of the game and that anything that he wants to do doesn't break the rules that we've set out in the, in the overall kind of universe that we've created. Um, and other than that, it's also sitting down and just writing journals and figuring out the entire progression of the game down from, from the overall arc progression, that's like, you know, the character does this and, and meets the bad guy and does this, down to the more minute things of, of individual items that she has to, you know, figure out in order to progress through the game. Cool. Very cool. Um, so what is kind of your background uh, in games? Have you worked on any before? Did you go to school to write video games? What's... How did, uh, how did you kind of wind up at Nightlight? Well, I, uh, I originally went to school wanting to um, be a game designer, and I'd, I'd always wanted to be a writer as well. So I pursued my minor in creative writing in school. I was taking all the video game design classes I had. Um, a number of the people at Nightlight actually went to school with me at CSU Chico um, up in Northern California. And so that's where the majority of us met. And we took classes together. I actually worked with David on a little game that we made in RPG Maker. It was funny. Um, and then uh, my school actually had this really, really cool program where they took, like, 60 students, and they would throw them all in a class, and they would basically attempt to make a, a large-scale AAA production-style video game with the pipeline and everything like that. And so... I got in that class, and uh, I wanted to do, like, level design to help my, you know, game design career out, but I didn't have, like, a really good laptop at the time to, to run UDK because our computers weren't very good at the time at our school. Uh, we, we got new ones, but um, by that time I was already doing writing because I needed to do something, and I was like, I can write, and I was like, great, do that. And I was like, cool. And it was interesting because I'd never considered game writing as a thing. I don't know if I'd ever really heard too much about it before then, but it, it it fell perfectly into place for me. It's perfect niche. Awesome. Very cool. It's definitely one of those uh, kind of unsung hero kind of positions that uh, if you don't hear about it, that means you probably did a pretty good job. Uh. Yeah. 
interestingly enough in an indie studio because uh like we we got to show our game off at rtx you know people were actually very interested to talk to me and stuff like that and they're like who did the writing who did the writing i was like um i did and so <laughs> it was really interesting very nice um so how big is nightlight well it, it ranges actually we we started with like eight people but varying with with other random people that have come onto the project and interns. We have upwards of like 30 people working on the game, which which is interesting for a small, technically a small indie studio. Sure. Um, but is most know. of that contract work, or how does that play well, out? Well, it's kind of like deferred pay a little bit. Um, if the game makes money, then so too will we. However... When we started the project, it was well understood by everybody that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, the primary focus wasn't on um, a financial production. It was portfolio work because there's this interesting conundrum in creative fields these days where it's like, okay, you want to do this. You want to be a game designer. Congratulations. Uh, What have you made? Yeah, what have you made? (laughs) Junior position. This is an internship. What's going on here? So... Yep, I think uh, Michael J. Fox summed that up real well in The Secret of My Success when he goes, wait, I'm just out of college, but you want me to have experience, but you won't give me a job to get experience. <laughs> yep, it's pretty great. But, I mean, the one of the things that, that I saw in school and stuff like that, and just going to GDC, and, you know, with video games, it's a very, very high passion industry. And if you're not willing to do it for free on your own time, then it's kind of like you don't really deserve to get paid for it. Um, so that's almost like an attitude, it seems like, in some some realms of it. But that's okay. Nice. I, I think that um, came from a lot of the, the original people who made video games. You know, they started out as little garage companies and stuff like that. And um, they don't really want to see people that just sit around and go to school and apply to jobs. They want to see people who are go-getters. And getting that experience on your own, you learn so much. I've learned so much on this project. Sure. Very cool. Um, Now, how long have you guys been actually working on Whispering Willows? Um, Well, about two years ago, David started talking to me about an interesting little game mechanic idea that he had um, involving involving a character being a ghost. And so we talked um, on the phone a little bit and, you know, through Facebook chat and stuff and kind of ironed that out. And then he decided he wanted to, you know, continue with that. He's a producer. He's a leader. So he organized people and, and got a team together. So, we're, so Whispery Willows... The first thing that comes to mind when I hear that is it is a quaint um, retirement community, <laughs> like, like you know, like the people, the the, the old people from Cocoon. How, <laughs> how, did, how did we get to a to a ghost story and like a two D ghost story at that? Well, um, originally we wanted to call the game Bidwell after uh, some of our inspiration uh, up in Northern California, up in the Chico area the second largest inner city park in America is in Chico and it's called Bidwell Park. And there's kind of some, you know, notorious, dubious background behind it as far as the, 
um, the guy who owned it, John Bidwell, he kind of, you know, some people say that he kind of enslaved and murdered the heck out of Indians and um, then basically took all their land and then gave it back to the state of California. <laughs> so that's kind of where we get our inspiration. And so he even has this mansion, and that's where we kind of started with that. And so we wanted to call it Bidwell, but there's this series of games called the Blackwell series. And so mm-hmm. it has a female protagonist. It's about commuting with ghosts also. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, man, this is way too close. But it's too, too many, there would have been too many little girls in that well. Okay, that's just... <laughs> <laughs> so we, um, game design is very... Game, game development is a very, very iterative, collaborative process. And so we got up on our forums with our little group, our, our group forum um, for the people working on the game. And we're like, okay, we need to come up with a name, you know, for the game. And so we just kind of did that and voted until we got something that we liked. And Whispering Willows was what it was because the main characters were Willows and Whispering is kind of creepy. But um, Bidwell would have been a cool name. I would have liked that a lot. But that's life. <laughs> It works. So, I mean, I mean, it definitely sets a tone. And now, with the, uh, I have to ask, because with the, uh, with the, the game video, the, or the, the video that we had on, on YouTube that we were able to watch, um, it kind of goes from, like, live action to the gameplay. It's, right. Are, are, do you have any FMV in this, or is that just... That's all stylistic stuff. Okay, gotcha. Our, our marketing director, Leaf Dahl, uh-huh. He he worked. He had a a different game development studio um, called Tectonic Games, and for their game Bust and Rush, he worked with this guy who did a really really cool trailer using um, some live action stuff and then uh, cutting in in gameplay. And we really liked his style, and um, he, he does great work. And so we we asked him to do this for us, and he he did it, and we really like it. We think it's pretty cool. It looks great. That's uh... I was just, I didn't, I, I was wondering, like, which way this was going to go, if it was going to turn out to be like a, you know, like we started and then faded into the uh, the 2D or what was happening, but let's see. So what's, so what's going on? What's happening in, uh, in, in Old Whispering Willows? Well, basically it's about a little girl, Elena, who, um, who has, her father has gone missing, and she's kind of like the only one that really believes that he's missing, and so she runs off to find him, and, um... You know, she has to kind of, she has a, like a little bit of this ancestral power to commune with the dead. And so she's able to um, project her spirit into the, she's able to make an astral projection of her spirit in the spirit realm and, and speak to spirits that way. In her physical form, she can't really do that. So it's kind of about um, figuring out what's wrong with these ghosts as well as, um, you know, finding different pieces of the puzzle to, to find your father. So are the ghosts bad in this game? Do you, is it meant to be more of a horror game, more of an adventure game? Like, how are you interacting with the, the ghosts? Are you solving, is it like Sixth Sense sort of thing, solving problems for the dead people? Yeah. Or? It's much more like a, a very kind of, um, the ghosts are very benign. Okay. And they just kind of want help, and you're there to help them. And they help you along the way. However, there are, of course, 
spirits that aren't quite so nice and things that aren't good in the game. But there's less interaction with them and more... Um, that's where some of the more exciting parts of the game come in. Um, I don't... It's, it's hard to describe the style of game, you know. So it's almost a little like Mist, where you kind of have to go around this quiet place by yourself and figure stuff out, but then it's got some of the horror elements where you're talking to ghosts and, and the stories from that. Okay. Very cool. So would maybe, um, like, Home be a good point of reference for somebody? I've actually not played Home. Um... I don't, uh, yeah, uh, I wish I had. Uh, <laughs> I'll answer your question better. Um, but you can play it and let me know. All right, we'll do. <laughs> actually, that that's one of those games I own and still haven't played because damn Steam sales. Uh, <laughs> I feel you, man. I feel you. I'm still on Skyrim right now. Sure. The game takes forever. There's nothing wrong with that. That game does take forever. That yes, absolutely. Um, so I guess a kind of a, a moment to moment. Uh, I hate to use the word, but more like a I guess a vertical slice of the game. Like what do you, what are you doing in the game? Um, well, you you there's a lot of walking around and kind of the one th- one great thing about our game is that the art is beautiful, and so walking around the game is quite a pleasure. Mm-hmm. And so you're really kind of trying to piece together every all the information from from the notes, from your talking with ghosts, from clues we leave in the game to to find people. And you're using a lot of your astral projection to to complete puzzles that your body can't do. So it's really um, that 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 level of duality between the the two forms that you're dealing with in the game. Okay. How, how quick is the switch between? I mean, obviously, I mean, she's, like, how'd she, well, number one, like, I guess gameplay-wise, how quick is the switch? And then, kind of more story-wise, like, how, where'd she learn how to do this? <laughs> she learned from her father. Um, oh, okay, know, so he's, he's kind of into this stuff, too, and that's, is that the reason why, like, she kind of believes that he's, he's disappeared and not just gone? Exactly, exactly. She's got some connections to that realm, and she, in, in the, um, in the uh, introduction animation to it, she has like a dream and mm-hmm. sees, and so she goes to find him. Um, the switch in game is actually pretty fast. We didn't want to make it too fast. It's actually gotten. It's interesting seeing it from the beginning and to the progression. Now she kind of has this backwards slump, and she kind of goes all you know like dead looking. And it's interesting when the when the uh, spirit pops out of her. And so it's like a Two and a half, three second switch, I'd say. Um, is the like I know that there's uh, depending upon like kind of which interpretation of like astral projection you're using. Um, is there like a a cord that binds the two together? Um, is there uh, like a certain distance that the spirit can go or is allowed to go before it's it's kind of yanked back, or is that all kind of manual? It's actually completely manual. You can't go to like a different level or or enter a door um, in order to to get away from, like, the, the screen that you're on. But otherwise, it's pretty free-form as far as where you're able to go with the spirit. Okay, so are the like, the levels kind of segmented more like a, a Metroid game rather than being continually flowing? Yeah, they, they absolutely okay. are. They're, they're segmented a little bit. But what we've tried to do is make um, 
different kind of uh, perspectives of like the, the the house floors that you're 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 viewing. So it's 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 interestingly put together the way our artist and our programmer did it. Um, it's it's you go when you enter a door you go deep through the house or back away from it and you walk like vertically or rather horizontally through the house um so it's it's very hard to explain um but when when you play it it makes sense um the outside is much larger the outside is huge but the inside of the mansion there are smaller segmented bits yeah okay very cool so a lot of horror games like to be 3D I I assume that's so that you know crazy stuff can happen at you from all different directions and you have to be watching out for more stuff why go the routes of a, a more 2D experience we weren't looking for a scare game as far as horror okay. went we were looking for a more um, inclusive um, audience plus since we're so indie 3D programming is hard, <laughs> and so 2D is just the, the best way to do it. Plus, the artists we have, as I mentioned before, are amazing, and they're amazing 2D artists. And you got to go with your strengths. Yeah. yeah absolutely. absolutely. And so um, that's that's why. There, there aren't a lot of little scary parts. There are some in there that, that we've managed to work in and work well with our 2D atmosphere. Um, but yeah, we, we, we weren't going for the pop out and scary. More, more just mood than jump scare. Absolutely. It's a very, very mood based game. It's very immersive. So you're sitting there and you, you just get involved in the story. Um, our, our audio guy, our music guy, Steve Goldshine, he does an amazing job at creating the atmosphere for, um, our game with the music. And we even have layered music because our, our audio girl, uh, Cat Arthur, she has done a great job with that as well. Um, so you'll be going through the game, and in certain moments of tension, you'll have different parts of the audio track that pop up. Hmm. Neat. Yeah, it's very cool. So almost kind of like uh, the uh, MIDI engine that they created for uh, Secrets of Monkey Island, where it's kind of layering in different parts of or different music for like different areas of the map and whatnot. Exactly right. Awesome. That's very cool. The nice thing about being indie is that um, you can really just do kind of whatever you want. If you can accomplish it, (laughs) uh, if people are willing to put in the time to do it, then it'll go in. So it's it's, it's cool. Yeah. Definitely. So you said that the... the, uh, I believe you said it was the producer that kind of came up with the... um, with the idea for the, the, the kind of like ghost story as it were, um, how, how much of a difference is there between that initial idea and, and what you guys kind of brainstormed and what the final product is? Oh my gosh. It's, it's very different. Um, the first stages of discussing with David were primarily mechanically based and figuring out kind of a, how, how to use that mechanic. And then when we got the team together and started brainstorming, that's when all the fat came out. And I wrote, I wrote a, <laughs> I wrote a lot. I wrote like, 30, <laughs> like thirty thousand words of just, of just like um, pre-production stuff, just backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was good. I think I'm the only person that's read all of it, but that's. <laughs> that's <laughs> all. Um, 
And so, you know what she's like when she's eighty. That's cool. It's all right. It's like, <laughs> I know. I know all of her ancestors down to her. It's weird. It's weird. But um, yeah. So the the product from now, as far as story wise and atmosphere, it's pretty close. It's just very, very, very much more refined. If you looked at our initial um, demo, our uh, game jam in the kill screen create game jam it was very rudimentary but we had a lot of the elements going with it we had you know some story in there we had some music we had the abilities and the puzzles it's just gotten so much more refined Yeah, that process is always so interesting from the uh from like the idea inception to to see how just how just how kind of crazy it can get especially in needing to not only adjust <clears throat> like for scope, um, but adjust as far as like your needs and what you you may be able to do to fit in, and and I hear a lot that it comes kind of mechanically first to to know what you can do, and then the rest of it kind of kind of folds in around that. Absolutely, you've uh, programming is a huge thing. You know, um, every little mechanic that you want to add in is you know so many hours to the programmer. So you really gotta ref- you, you gotta keep those mechanics tight and not add in extra features that aren't going to be used later on because it's just a waste of time eventually. So now that now that that's brought up, what's what's your favorite feature that couldn't have been included? Oh, uh, hmm. <laughs> well, I don't, that's an interesting question. We we initially had five and a half six-ish chapters for the game, and um, that was a kind of a more interesting storyline um it was a little bit more convoluted and cool and i would have liked to see that but we had some we kind of ran out of money and needed to get stuff done faster and so we had to cut down the story some because Mm -hmm. content is the easiest way to 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 quicken your time on stuff so i reworked it and i actually like the story better now it's 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 a much more well fleshed out story even if it isn't as quite convoluted as it was before. So I'd like to see that. Um, I I can't even, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't even remember features that we were talking about um, like a year ago. I'm really happy with everything we have in the game right now. That's good. That's the way it should be. (laughs) (laughs) I always like to ask that, though, because there's always, like, especially from from the creative side of things, there's always, like, one thing that, and I've seen it myself with like other different projects at, at like uh, at work and stuff where you get real excited about it, and then you're like, oh, this has got to go to the side. Yeah, that was kind of kind of my story for a little while, but I'm I've grown very happy with what we've done. Um, David Logan, our the producer, he and I have always just been on a very very similar level as far as everything that goes on in the game. Uh, we just always agree with each other on everything, and are are just everyone else is in kind of cohesion with us, but he and I are just like just eye to eye on knowing what needs to go in the game and what needs to happen. So it's it's a cool um, relationship to have with him as far as that goes. Yeah. That's awesome. awesome. So um, we kind of mentioned it earlier in the interview, but you guys did a Kickstarter about a year ago. Um, what did doing the Kickstarter kind of help allow you guys to do because while there's some people that might look at hey you know $20,000 is a whole lot of money when you know when you have several people on a studio and you're all trying to you know live and still eat that's not uh, a ton of money (laughs) 
you you cannot make a game on twenty <laughs> So, um, what what did that twenty thousand dollars actually help you guys do? Uh, that that has been helping us with, um, you know, supplies and things like that. Um, it helped us a little bit with with random things. Like we showed our game at RTX, as mm-hmm. I mentioned before, and that helped a little bit with the cost of that. Although all of us throughout the entire production of the game, um, we we have our day jobs, and then we work on Whispering Willows when we have time. So, um, sadly, that's that's where it comes down to. The, sure. um, you know, the, in order to advertise stuff, you need you need money. Um, that money helped us to pay our programmer a little bit, pay outsourced programmers, um, pay for, you know, like banners and stickers and you know, all sorts of things like that. That you just little things that you just need to promote your game. That without it, it's you know, there's only so much you can do inside the digital space to get um, something out there. But mm-hmm. having a, a sticker with your game or a shirt with your game or your company name that solidifies it in people's minds a little bit more. And so that's kind of what we needed for that. But we've gotten money from Ouya um, for being an Ouya exclusive on their console. We've had a little bit of help with investors. Um, our producer has put in his own funds to help. Um, so we we really take it where we can get it because it doesn't go very far. Um, I think you'd need like half a million dollars for just a decent game if you were paying everyone. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Why. Yeah, and honestly, we could have actually finished the game. Like this game, you know, it's not huge. It's taken us like upwards of a year and a half to develop it um and if we had actually paid everyone full time it would have been a much quicker process six month turnout probably wow you gotta have those day jobs gotta pay people (laughs) we know all too much about that (laughs) yep (laughs) the real hope of course in in creating a game like this is as much as everybody would like to get paid for the work that they did, the the real goal is to um, siphon that money into our, our company and allow us to then pay ourselves for the next game. So that long-term goal is much more important than the short term. Sure. Um, so you guys did launch on Ouya first. Um, what kind of was the decision behind that? Um, well, we... Ouya was, they, they wanted a product out. They wanted something we could give them. And with, they were all, we only had funding really up to kind of the 30 chapters, and it would have been a cliffhanger at the end of that. But we got money from our investors and to, to help us put out our fourth chapter so that the game doesn't end in a cliffhanger, which is the <laughs> end any story ever. Um, I was really, 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 really relieved and happy when I found out that we'd be doing the fourth chapter because... It, it just fell so short at three chapters. We had to cut it off. Um, so on June 17th, when it comes out on Steam, that's when we're going to have our fourth chapter, and it's going to come out on Ouya um, with the fourth chapter on the 17th of June as well. So we just okay. need to get it out. <laughs> so you are still actively working on the game? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I'm not as much. Um, okay. Everything writing-wise has been dialed in because uh, that the higher up you are, like writing affects so much of the game. Um, so I'm the first 
kind of tier as far as that goes of getting everything done. I think everybody else is still working on little bits of it, but unless my producer calls me in and says, hey, we need to fix something real quick, I don't really do anything anymore. Gotcha. Yeah. It's a the, just out of the. Yep. <laughs> Fine. Oh, right? Jeez. Remove the period, whatever. That's right. Yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> So, you know, after having having worked on it for so long, having it almost totally out, would you do it again this way? Uh, hmm, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, it's turned out pretty well thus far. I think that all of us, for having very little experience in game development, um, did pretty well. You know, we had our setbacks and things like that. Um, but for a bunch of people that are working for free, um, it's gone incredibly swimmingly. So I don't think I'd change a single thing because that, you know, butterfly effect might affect everything else. Sure. And great use of the word swimmingly. Oh, thank you. Yes. I did swim in high school, so I got to use it every now and again. There you go. All right. Keep it going. (laughs) All right, Brian, do you have anything else before we go to the end game? No, we can go ahead and start. Uh, so like right. we kind of explained at the beginning, um, we, we like to end all of our interviews with uh, something we call the end game. Uh, it was inspired by um, the final questionnaire from Inside the Actor's Studio uh, that James Lipton gives. Um, so it's six questions. Uh, there is no right and wrong answers, though you will be judged accordingly, and no points or all points will be given. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, here we go. Uh, very first question is, uh, who is your favorite video game protagonist? It's weird because my favorite video game protagonists are silent protagonists. Like, okay. Uh, like Chell from Portal and the kid from, uh, from Bastion. Um, I guess... Great choices. <laughs> I guess as far as a real video game character that's not silent goes... Jeez, um, what games have I played that aren't silent? In a long time, um, I don't even know. I don't. Even, I, I, will, I will gladly accept either Chell or hey, uh, or the kid. I mean, the, yeah. both of those are both of those are absolutely acceptable. I mean, you know, Chell's a little slow. She's asked to talk and she jumps, but at the same time, you can't hold that against her. She's uh, she's good at what she does. This is true. If we're going if we're going head to head with those two, though, I think the kid because he's he's cool. Yeah. <laughs> He rebuilds worlds with his feet. I, you can't argue with that. That's oh, that's a fantastic thing. Uh, He's flip, a white child. Yeah. <laughs> uh, flipping the coin. Um, who is your favorite antagonist? Oh, um, I mean, going back to the Portal series. I mean, that's actually an interesting call. I think Wheatley is my favorite antagonist because he was a protagonist in Portal Two. And at first you're hating um, GLaDOS, and then he comes out of nowhere and you destroy him, and it's pretty cool. So I, I think he's my favorite antagonist for that Switch. Yeah, I, I, I will definitely go with that. I think Wheatley was a fantastic character, and GLaDOS's uh, turn into a spud um, really kind of <laughs> added a lot of character. That was so fun. Yeah. I love that game. Yeah, I, I yeah. <laughs> I think the only uh, that that whole as far as sound goes because that that game is uh, you know like fifty percent is definitely the visuals as far as going with the portals and all that but the other fifty percent is all that dialogue and freaking J K Simmons 
as the just the voiceover of the dude who ran, ran uh, Aperture Science. Yeah. It's, it was oh great. my god. It was that, really weird. Mm-hmm. It was for me when I watched um, Pacific Rim. Or no, I, it was only, it wasn't even in the movie when I saw the preview. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. She, yeah. She was in the beginning. It was Gladys's voice. Yeah. And I was like, what? That's yeah. Because uh, uh, oh man, uh, Guillermo del Toro is such a huge. He's he's not only like just a a geek all around, but he's a real big video game geek, and he specifically asked um, Valve for permission to use it. Nice. Yeah. So okay. that was one hundred percent actually Gladys's voice. Uh, so good pick. Good pick with Wheatley. Absolutely. Um, Third question. Um, What's your least favorite trend or trope in uh, video games today? Something you'd kind of like to see go away? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, one of our... um, Interesting that you brought that up. Um, I don't... And it's a big issue right now. Is just, like, boob armor, basically. Um, You know, horribly, horribly construed females. Um, And that's, that's really in a lot of media, actually, sadly. But... Um, that's something that we wanted to change. We made Elena as our protagonist main character because at that time when we were creating the character, there was, there was a lot of problems. Women in games were really, really pissed off, and rightfully so. And so we wanted to make a character that was atypical and, um, and would help kind of promote that cause. And so I'd love to see that. Uh, it's, it was really, really interesting writing for a female 13-year-old girl, which I had definitely never done. (laughs) Um, And, like, as they say in any creative writing course, you know, you can start with an interesting theme and stuff like that, but that'll only take you so far. An interesting world will only take you so far depth-wise. But when you start out with an interesting character, that's when you really get into, you know, some good storytelling. And so um, that's, I feel, what we were allowed to do. And I'd love to see that more in games. That's an excellent answer. Yeah, excellent answer. Uh, next question. Um, so you're, uh, you know, Whispering Willows. It uh, deals with a lot of, uh, you know, you're dealing with ghosts. Uh, you're kind of dealing with with ghosts and or ghost problems, uh, as you might say. Are there any um, ghost uh, stories, uh, perhaps, that you fell back on as kind of an inspiration in 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 kind of dealing with this and creating um, Elena's world? Um, there weren't any specific ones. We when we were when we were coming up with uh, you know reference stuff for the for the game like John Bidwell and Chico. Um, a lot of the artists posted you know creepy pasta threads and stuff like that. But there wasn't anything incredibly specific. I tried to research you know Native American spirituality as much as I could, but there was nothing very very specific that we fell back on at all. Oh, just jumping off of the creepy pasta point. Are there any um, Easter eggs we might be on the lookout as far as uh, famous ghosts making an appearance with oh, yeah. Whispering Wheels? Oh. Um, I mean, if you're a Mario fan, you might catch um, something similar to um, a ghost in Mario somewhere nice. in the game. Okay. Kind of hard to find, but it's I'm there. You. I, won't, uh, I won't turn my back on it. <laughs> ah. That's the point. Good job. <laughs> Ready to beat the game all of it. You got it. Yeah, there you go. All right. Um, you're already living the dream, uh, making video games, kind of doing your thing. Uh, if there were any other dream um, that you could do as a profession, uh, what would you like to try? Um, hmm. That's an interesting question. 
Um, well, as a as a writer, I kind of have that on the side as well, so I'm not going to count that. Um, first of all, I'd love to get paid for making games to start out. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, the as, true dream. We are oh, right yeah. there with you. It's like <laughs> uh, yep. uh, as far as a, uh, another profession, I think I think psychology or philosophy would be really really cool. I've always thought it'd be neat to go be like an aesthetic monk to just kind of contemplates life and meditates all the time. Okay. Just thinking sure. about shit. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I like it. I love thinking about stuff. Absolutely. All right. Final question. This one gets a little dark. Um, when we come to the end of our lives and we reach the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom and Toad <laughs> is there with the book of our deeds, uh, what would you like him to say to you? Um, I'd like him, him to say... It's me, Mario! And then he pulls off his mask and he's Mario the whole time. Oh my god! That Toad's a dope... Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> what kind of a nightmare afterlife are you trying to get into? And then you realize that the whole game, you were playing as a mushroom or something, and that that game is horrible. Your your world was actually inside of a question mark block, and now that you're <laughs> he's going to eat you... That, M. Night Shyamalan is your game designer. Real, yeah. don't don't ever die. I don't want anybody to ever experience that. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm trying to. That's right. That is a true nightmare of a dream. But thank you <laughs> for being honest with us. That was. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You passed. Thank you. Like I'm said, you have no actual points, and you gain really nothing but our uh, eternal admiration for answering those questions. But. Uh, I- Again, the experience of contemplation. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Much like the monks, you have thought about things and given life your answer. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it's always good when somebody leaves me speechless because I really, I, I don't know how to end the podcast from here. I just <laughs> I, that's understandable. That was a weird answer, but that's all I can <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> So, uh, so I'll end the podcast then. Um, why, don't, why don't you take us out, uh, Mr. Weird Answer, and let us know where people can find out, uh, where they can purchase or find out more information about Whispering Willows. All right. Well, at nightlightint.com, you can go and buy our game if you don't want to buy it through Steam or through Ouya, and that helps us more, actually, because then we don't get that little bit taken off through Steam. But if you're a Steam person, on June 17th, it'll be out, Whispering Willows. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Thank you once again for uh, for sitting down and talking to us about Whispering Willows. I hope it all goes great and that you guys can one day get paid to do this and do it full time. So good luck. And, uh, yeah, have fun. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot, man.